grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Last week we read the story of the birth of twins to Abraham's son Isaac and his wife Rebecca. We learned that it was a difficult and painful pregnancy, a portent that things were not going to go well between the brothers. And there was an extraordinary prophecy that went against all the settled rules of family inheritance that the younger twin would one day gain supremacy over the older one. And we saw that begin to happen when Jacob, the stay-at-home mummy's boy, took shameless advantage of his outdoorsy brother Esau, who was ravenous after a hunting expedition, and withheld food from him until Esau handed over all his rights as the eldest son. Already, we dislike him. And where we pick up his tawdry story today, there is every reason to despise him, because he has just also tricked his elderly, blind father and broken his heart. Esau is burning with pent-up rage and is hell-bent on revenge. So it's no surprise that we meet Jacob today, a fugitive on the run from his own home and family. It's hard to feel sympathy for him, as his predicament is entirely his own fault. The promise that he would be the favoured one was there from the beginning. He didn't need to do those treacherous, deceitful things, but trust the promise. And now, the things he couldn't wait to lay his hands on have become a misery to him. And we find him alone, in a wild place, with only darkness for company and a rock for a pillow. It's not unlike the place we find ourselves in at the moment. All the usual markers of our lives have vanished and all the talk in the world of bringing back normality doesn't make us feel one bit safer. A question that I know some of you have asked is, where is God in this pandemic? If God is good and loving, how can something so indiscriminate and deadly be let loose upon the world? Why God permits suffering is one of the oldest questions in the book. And there's a time in every life when we have reason to ask it. Sometimes, as in the story of Jacob, we must take some responsibility for what comes upon us. Speaking yesterday, the Secretary General, General of the United Nations said how the virus had highlighted dysfunctional global politics, with nations habitually looking after only their own interests, and deep social and racial inequalities which had made the virus more deadly among poorer, crowded communities. If it originated in an infected animal in a meat market, we come face to face with the results of corner-cutting commercial practices. If it originated in a laboratory, that holds up a mirror to the human capacity for evil. If the virus has shown us important things about the way we live and that our choices and behaviours have consequences, then we may hope that God is teaching us some wisdom through it. But often 
there is no explanation. The narrator in Genesis offers no comment on Jacob's character or behaviour. We are shown a family bitterly at odds with one another and where cheating, lying and theft are things that just happen in life. It's how the world is. But it's to this world, with all its unruly mess, where God comes and shatters all our expectations of how the story should properly end. As usual, God seems unaware of our rules of how things work, or if he is aware of them, he is blatant in his disregard of them. For the first time in his story, Jacob is not in conflict with anyone. His wakeful daytime world is now one of fear, loneliness, and we may imagine a bucket load of secret guilt. Any thought of God is probably the last thing on his mind. His only concern is his own safety from his brother, not having his conscience troubled further. But he is asleep and all his defences are down. And in a dream, God intrudes into his life to redefine everything about it. God has come down the ladder he sees from heaven to the desolate place where he is lying and stands beside him. This is the first inkling we have of incarnational faith that will be made fully visible in Jesus Christ. God doesn't abandon us in suffering, not even when we've brought it on ourselves, but comes to be with us in it and to transform it. There are angels, God's messengers, going up and down the ladder, but it is God himself who starts to speak. And he doesn't pronounce judgment on Jacob's shameful past as we'd expect and as he surely deserves, but instead promises a wholly new future. The ladder brings the ways of heaven down to earth and into Jacob's life to oust his tawdry old ways. What this story says to us is that heaven is not where an indifferent God lives remote from human life, and earth is not left to its own resources. Heaven has to do with earth, and we may count on heaven's resources as we try to make the kingdoms of earth more like the kingdom of heaven. God doesn't demand to know how Jacob is going to amend his ways, but binds himself to this treacherous fugitive and makes three unique promises to him. To be with him, to protect him, and in due course to bring him home again. These promises refute all despairing judgments about human nature, and the new future they usher in doesn't depend on Jacob's abilities to be good, but on God's faithfulness. Jacob's character is always likely to get him into trouble. Yet this God is attentive even to that consideration. All in all, this is an astonishing revelation that God casts his lot in with us 
and is with us in places of danger, even those we may have had a hand in creating. When Jacob awakes, he opens his eyes not just onto a new day, but a new world. The nameless, featureless place where he had lay down the night before is now shimmering with divine presence, and he gives it a name, Beth-El, House of God. During this pandemic, countless houses of God have been set up in desolate places. As well as gaining some wisdom about our attachment to ways of living that were actually destroying us, we have seen endless evidence of the ways of the kingdom of heaven on earth in countless acts of sacrificial kindness and care, neighbourliness and generosity, gratitude and appreciation to those we barely noticed before. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. May God bring us through this wilderness, but while we are in it, may we learn more of heaven's wisdom and practice more of heaven's ways and give thanks that God is surely in it with us.